0: Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped.
1: Welcome to episode 221 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to.
0: But you should still totally watch the anime.
1: This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood episodes 63 and 64, plus the first three episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion. in one the traumatic journey of two young boys comes to a close and in another one boy's horrific mental trauma is only just beginning
0: really that's just life you know like you're either coming out of it or you're going into it and uh you know how normal people's lives they get injected into a tube that gets filled with basically amniotic fluid that you can breathe um and then you have to uh sink your brain with a large mechanized robot slash maybe angel and uh it's just something you just gotta go through um everybody this is this is uh, for our younger listeners this is just what puberty is let's jump in
1: there's um there's just like the smallest chance that there is a younger listener out there that Significantly wonders if we're maybe being a little serious. <laughs> Not that, oh, you know, God. everyone's getting tubed into the back of a, you know, giant robot alien angel thing, but, uh, yeah,
0: I mean, I don't know. Puberty's do.
1: weird. Pu- yeah. Puberty's wild. Who knows yeah. how metaphorical we're being. Yeah. Uh, although um, we already covered Fully Cully, so if you do wonder about how metaphorical we're being, <laughs> there's two episodes covering Fully Cully in its entirety Yeah. In our backlog.
0: Yeah. Hey. Uh, uh, also, by the way, people. Uh, before we get started with any of our our normal coverage stuff, uh, let's let's talk about really quick what's going to be coming up because we yeah. haven't made it like a announcement announcement about it, but like we Blake and I have made a a choice that it will kind we of made affect a pact. all the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we we cut open both of our hands and then we uh uh-huh. touched our hands to each other to shake but well, we touched our hands to our computer our screens because
1: we're not we're not with each other so we just did like a zoom call and then we just rubbed blood on our screens
0: oh yeah and we
1: were like that's yeah. pretty good
0: yeah that's you know that's how, how it, you do
1: it. it yeah long distance relationships
0: yeah oh, it's it's <laughs> difficult Blood is hard to get out of a webcam. Anyways. um, Yeah, the usual
1: cleaning solutions just aren't fucking cutting it.
0: (laughs) So, two pieces of news. The first piece of news is something that we've been expecting and normal people that have listened to our show for a while are are also expecting. Which is that we will have a vote for uh, the next show that we are going to be taking over for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. But, as people who listen to all of our episodes know, Yu Yu Show also just ended. And yeah. uh, we we made a choice which is a little bit different. So, if you are a listener uh, who is our, also part of our Patreon, thank you so much, uh, number one, for being a part of that. Um, there are not a ton of you, but uh, everybody is great. Um, but, we decided to continue putting out uh, Patreon episodes of our coverage of Bleach. But, also, we are going to be giving listeners, that's you, who are not Patreon patrons, access to Bleach episodes in a different way. So, if you are a non-Patreon patron, you will be getting Bleach episodes starting with the first one that we released for Patreons only. That was probably a year and a half ago, if not longer. Um,
1: so, I'm sure yeah, I have the date written down
0: here somewhere. Yeah. Um, while we are releasing those to the public, that week, we will also be recording a episode that will be patron-only that is oh, up-to-date with our normal coverage of uh, Bleach. Yeah,
1: by the way, uh, that was July 1st, 2020. <laughs> That's oh, when we God. released our first Bleach episode. But, you know, this is also... This is part of a compromise we made because we, we've we covered the first two arcs of Bleach in their entirety. And Patreon subscribers are aware of this. But uh, they're also aware that we haven't been covering it recently. And we, I think, discussed that on the show. But if you missed it, uh, you may have noticed that we sometimes struggle, especially lately, to get our episodes out on time. And that is a function of... Uh, the various, you know, challenges to our time that, uh, you know, family and jobs have a little bit more sway over the podcast. The podcast uh, unfortunately falls into the hobby category, which does lose to family and job. So uh, we have struggled, I think, to get that content out as consistently. And part of that struggle resulted in the Bleach episodes no longer being created. So um, hopefully, Patreon subscribers and non-Patreon subscribers alike will appreciate this solution. It will allow us to continue our coverage of Bleach. Uh, we'll pick up where we left off, and Patreon subscribers will get that newest episode when uh, when it's available, and non-Patreon subscribers will get the first episode, which I, I believe we released previously but you know yeah enjoy it again
0: (laughs) we dropped it out for people before but this is this is a way for us to say like hey if you're if you want to be a patron um we would love to have you and you can listen and get all the way caught up with those episodes so you have like literally a backlog of episodes to listen to so if you're one of those people that's just kind of like i want more content that's how you can get like a, a an influx of content and then you'll get a new episode every month of bleach.
1: Um so. yeah, you'll uh basically let's see. It looks like there's 15 bleach episodes that currently exist. So yeah. you're gonna get if you're not a Patreon subscriber, there will be 15 episodes that you don't yet have access to that exist, that you could gain access to by becoming a Patreon subscriber, uh, which is very cheap. And so uh, if that's the kind of thing where you want to get caught up, where you are craving more content, uh, if you're one of those people that listens to the show, uh, but only for shows that you're interested in and Bleach is one of those, you'll have instantly 16 total episodes to listen to once that first episode drops in the public feed here. Um, So there's a couple of incentives. And of course, one of those incentives that I didn't yet mention is just if you want to support us Um, because you know, that money helps us pay the fees that we have to pay to get the episodes to you. Um, and excess money allows us to do things like pay our sound mixer or pay for, you know, convention trips or pay for people to create merchandise for you guys and stuff like that. So. Uh, You can incentivize yourself in a way that doesn't have to do with Bleach, but there are a couple of other Bleach-specific incentives there if you're interested. And if not, then you'll get to listen to those episodes on a, well, uh, initially on a three-year delay, but eventually on a, you know, 15-episode delay.
0: Yeah, so with all that being said, Hey Blake, we got to talk about a, uh, a show real quick uh, because Mm. you have decided to make me relive some of my trauma. Um, So we watched the first three episodes of neon Genesis Evangelion. If you don't know, yeah, had you heard
1: of this before?
0: Yeah. This is a show (laughs) that is considered to be one of the best uh, anime ever made. Um, Yeah. If you, uh, if you disagree with me, I, I apologize but you're also wrong. Um, So just... I apologize, but I'm not sorry.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is one of the uh, sort of great anime classics, if you will. Um, I would say it, it finds itself in the pantheon of things like Dragon Ball Z and Cowboy Bebop as sort of foundational anime. And I would also say, and you know, forgive me if this perspective is a little focused on my own life experiences. Um, I I know there are things like Astro Boy. There's things like Fist of the North Star. There there is anime that existed before. Tsunami gave us Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. Um, and there are shows that were anime that we didn't realize were anime because it wasn't a thing we were talking about in the culture, but there was a subculture of people who knew that this was, you know, created in Japan it was called anime blah 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 all that stuff. But anime started to become popular with our generation in a way that gave it a new type of cultural breakthrough that that created a subculture of anime fandom that that hadn't existed before. Again, a subculture existed but it was so small and so niche. And it predated the internet. So it was something you really had to like know who had the answers for. And then all of a sudden, uh, American stations are providing uh, official um, accessible options to watch actual anime like Dragon Ball Z. And people are starting to get into it. And you also have things like Pokemon is coming over. Yu-Gi-Oh! is coming over. People are getting into those, not because of the anime, but they might be getting into the anime as well and realizing eventually, oh shit, this is that anime stuff, just like the Dragon Ball. And so like Neon Genesis Evangelion is of that time. Um, It was released in Japan uh, from 95 to 96 Um, and that was around the time that anime was starting to pick up a little steam over here in the States as well. Um, and so I I consider this to be part of that Pantheon, I think, because it is considered by a lot of anime fans to be an excellent show, a great classic, uh, one of those things that's worth watching, but also I think because it is from that time period when we in America were becoming, were first being introduced to anime on a large scale. Um so Evangelion Hilariously is set in the a far future world of 2015. Yeah. Uh, it is there was a, a worldwide cataclysm in which a meteor hit one of the uh, one of Earth's poles and caused the ice caps to melt which caused major flooding which is basically the quick version of what we're doing ourselves to the planet right now. So it just happened all at once. Uh, in about the year 2000 in this story 15 years have passed uh this event known as the second impact led you know to the sort of consolidation of tokyo into a smaller uh more futuristic version of tokyo called tokyo 3 uh the protagonist is a young boy named shinji he is a teenager who uh whose dad works for a sort of shadow government organization, kind of like a black ops, uh, sci-fi military outfit called nerve, which they keep pronouncing as like Nerve in the dub. And I don't, I, it's, it's nerve. It's not the word. It's the word nerve without the E at the end. I think it's supposed to be pronounced nerve, but that's not exactly how they said it. And anyway, uh, nerve secretly is running some giant biomechs, uh, and, they are using them to fight, I guess, aliens coming down from the sky called angels. And, uh, Shinji gets drafted to be a mech pilot for his dad's biomech fight. The angels program, uh, and also has a deeply estranged relationship with same. Um, so this, uh, ran for like 20, 20 some odd episodes, uh, a year after it finished running, uh, A feature film was released called The End of Evangelion because uh, while we haven't yet talked about the first three episodes, it's worth noting that part of this show's fame is that the ending, particularly the last two episodes, get really weird. And a lot of criticism has been levied. A lot of debate about whether this is good or bad has been levied. However, the movie The End of Evangelion basically is an alternate ending that you can watch instead of the last two episodes. Um, Essentially, the short version is that the creator had something of uh, an emotional breakdown creating the show, and the last two episodes reflect that. And The End of Evangelion is basically a little bit more of a straightforward ending to the story. Um, There also have since then been four movies released called Rebuild of Evangelion, which retell but also rework parts of the series. So you can watch it as a as a new thing that has a new ending um, created uh, starting in 2007 and uh, looks like finished in 2021. So. Starting 10 years after the end of the original series and running for quite a while thereafter, four films were released. Um, So there's a lot of Evangelion out there, and that does not cover everything, but that's sort of all
0: the major anime content. So yeah, Mm.
1: Spencer, you have some experience with this. What was your experience this time?
0: Yeah, so here's the thing about Ava, and uh, don't get me wrong, I, I do think that this show is very important for anybody that is... A anime aficionado uh, to watch, but it is not a fun watch. It's it's <laughs> one of those things where it's just like it's you're you're not going in there just for like a, a fun time while you eat popcorn or whatever your snack is and watch some anime to have like a a good sit around. You're gonna be affected by the show, and if you're into that, it's gonna be a good time. And I. And I say that with, with knowing that like things that happen in the show are particularly fucked up. Um, our main character, Shinji, uh, not only does he have a, a really messed up parental relationship that will go into much more depth as the show goes on, basically what you know at the beginning is that Shinji has a father that is semi-estranged from him in the sense that he is just not, Available whatsoever Um, And his mother is Somewhere we don't know what's going On with that yet at the start of the show She's Um,
1: probably a former Quincy or something like that
0: Yeah probably Um, (laughs) But the other thing about Shinji That you'll realize is that The way that he is told as A teenage boy Is very realistic Responses to the amount Of pressure and fucked up shit That's going to happen to him you will see him in the show have full-on mental breakdowns. Um, in the first three episodes, you will see a very, very intense breakdown. Um, so if you're one of those people that it doesn't want spoilers because you really haven't seen the show or heard of it before, you, you can skip forward to our full metal coverage. Um, because one of the things that you need to know um, about this uh, is that when you are connected to the Avas, which are these gigantic mechanized monsters that are controlled to fight these other monsters in the world, which are called angels, and you're not really explained to why those are in the first three episodes, um, one of the things that happens to you is that you receive a uh, a psionic resignation um, with your Ava that you are controlling, which means that like your brain connects with their brain through this thing called an AT field. Um, yeah, it's like, AT um, field, it's like uh, how the
1: pilots in Pacific Rim have to connect their brains to each other. But instead of connecting to another person, you're connecting to the machine that you're inside. Correct.
0: Um, machines, in quotation marks. Anyways. Um, yeah. So Big quotation marks. Yeah. So they connect for this thing. It's called an AT field. We're not going to be explained in the first couple of episodes what that is. Um, but Although, if, watch if the you intro,
1: were... and you might get a spoiler <laughs> Huh, if you watch the intro, you might get a little bit of a little baby tease to that,
0: <laughs> yeah, so like it's there's just a lot of crazy stuff that happens, but the biggest thing that happens, which is gonna respond to the fucked up things that happens to these uh pilots of Avas, is that because your brain and your soul ostensibly are connected to this machine that you're running, you feel the things. That this machine feels while you're controlling it. And in the first three episodes, I think it happens in episode, uh, is it two or three, um, where he he has a 100% connection?
1: Uh, or a 70% connection? I, I sort made. of mentally skimmed over the numbers that they yelled out, so I, cu- I couldn't say for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But he But yeah, he's he's very connected and it hurts. A very high connection with his Ava and then gets stabbed. So like he he is more like mortally wounded and feels that pain. That pain like three, but in
1: in episode two, he also gets his arm snapped so that it dangles real weird. So that also that's you know, two pretty bad injuries in the first three episodes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, uh, again, it's not him specifically feeling these things because it's not his arm actually being broken, but his brain, which is connected to this thing is feeling the like phantom limb pain that is going on inside of this. And so like what he is going through is horribly traumatic. And because of that, we, we have this representation of a, a, a very human, Real representation of a teenage boy going through not only teen angst and parental issues, but also like severe, horrible maiming, which just he has to live through. And then when the Ava, like when he gets out of the Ava, he just has to go on with like the mental trauma there, but the physical representation of it not there. It's just like... Uh, like, I don't, I don't know how I would function after one of these incidents. And he just is like, daddy wants me to keep going.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah. It's,
0: uh, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I would say, uh, I, I think my experience is a little different from yours, Spencer. Um, I had seen probably the first handful of episodes once or twice uh, growing up and then I saw the full thing start to finish only one time um, when I lived in San Francisco. So, you know, uh, 10 years ago. And um, I also, during that time, the, some of the movies were coming out. So I think I've seen the first Two rebuild of Evangelion movies or so, um, so I, I have some experience with the with the series, but it's been a minute, and um, and my memory is that I really really dig how the series starts because obviously, longtime listeners will probably know that there are some dark storytelling elements that I like. There are some dark storytelling elements that I don't like. Generally speaking, even though the show goes pretty hard uh, and pretty realistically on the ways that these characters are sort of put through the ringer, and particularly this, you know, teenage boy. um, The setup of this show is a thing that I like quite a bit. Um, I like the giant mechs. I I like the giant monster fights that, you know, sort of goes back to the young me liking stuff like Godzilla. And so that scratches that itch, but also you get things like, you know, more deep and dark and real world explorations of stuff like, you know, mental trauma and, uh, you know, absentee parents and stuff like that. I find all of that to be very interesting. And then for me, well before the end of the series, if memory serves about halfway through the series, I felt in a way that I couldn't exactly define that I was sort of losing the thread, uh, that the series was moving in a direction that did not resonate with me in the way that the beginning of the series resonated with me. And it has been a decade since I watched it. So I couldn't tell you exactly how that, that happened. Um, But I, I want to point that out because obviously the, the ending is infamous And it's infamous for being labyrinthine and confusing and a little bit unrelated to what came before. Obviously it's, it's connective tissue is mental trauma, but I don't, I don't think that I think about half the people that watch it don't feel that it does a good job wrapping things up. And uh, I was probably one of those, but I had sort of put one foot off the train by that point anyway but the first half or so of the series really fucking works for me it has a lot of things that i like and re-watching these first three episodes i was like man i fucking like this i really really like this it was really hard for me to stop watching this show and switch to watching full metal alchemist even though i was so excited to finish full metal alchemist because of how much i like these first three episodes and spencer is right it gets into some really heavy stuff and it deals with it in some pretty uh, unromantic ways. And so there are definitely going to be some people out there who really, really dislike that at, its, at sort of like a conceptual level. In the same way that I dislike something like the chimera ants because they eat people and I don't like when characters get eaten. Um, so some of you out there are going to feel that way about this. And you're not going to like it at all. Some of you are going to be like me and you're going to resonate with this, but you're not going to resonate with the ending or the second half or whatever. And then I think if I'm reading you correctly, Spencer, it sounds like you resonate a little too highly with the trauma frequency. So you're kind of somewhere in the middle where you like, this is good, but it's maybe a little too real for my tastes.
0: Yeah. I I've I've had conversations with people before that one of my favorite directors is Darren Aronofsky and the one oh, of the yeah. that I think that Darren Aronofsky is such a good director and writer of the things that he does is because they they get very real um, in very specific ways that you are not expecting. Um, he also covers like mental breakdowns in in very interesting ways. He also handles addiction in very interesting ways. One of my like top 10 movies that I have ever seen is Requiem for a Dream but I'm gonna warn you that movie is not fun to watch. Um, it will affect you um, And it will make you feel things But it is It is not It is not something to be it, It's not something that is created To be enjoyed Is the, uh, Yeah, it's
1: not a romp
0: Yeah it's, it is, it's,
1: it's enjoyment is from How you relate to the trauma Or how you relate to dark storytelling It's not fun
0: Yeah, and I I, I I apologize to anybody who thinks that they're like going to watch Ava and they're just like, it's just so much fun to watch. And I'm just like, for you, you might be like a a little bit of a masochist, like, because it is, it is, there are moments in this show that are horrific um, and entirely difficult to watch. um, And that doesn't take away from it being one of the masterpieces of anime. Um,
1: Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't like slasher movies. Because similar reasons why I don't like to watch people get eaten because, uh, you know, you took all this time to make me like a character. And then the whole point of that was so that you could kill them off in the most dramatic or disgusting or whatever, you know, overindulgent way possible. But, uh, you know, some people love that shit and yeah. it's just a difference in taste. So I think there's plenty of people who will find this really fun from start to finish. I find it really fun at the beginning, but the darkness is there and it's very clear Mm -hmm. in ways that are unambiguous and that, you know, if you're going in expecting whatever fun you might be experiencing from the extremely strong direction of the first Mm -hmm. few episodes and the really intense, but very cool robo fighting that happens early on. If that that might trick you into thinking that this is a bit of a hardcore but otherwise standard mech anime it's not and just go in knowing that yeah if, if you're gonna go in
0: yeah they but haven't it's even great been really I mean it's a, a classic to Oscar yet
1: <laughs> yeah that's true you haven't even gotten there for some yep. of it but yeah yep. it's a great classic it's one of those things where it's like it's a classic you should watch it. With the caveat that not every classic is for everybody. Not everything has to be for everyone. And this might not be for you, but if it sounds like you can stomach it, uh, give it a go. And you'll probably enjoy at least some of it.
0: Yeah. And it's the same conversation I have with people where I'm like, you should watch the Ghibli canon in its entirety. But I'm going to warn you, some of them are fun. Some of them are arguably one of the most traumatically sad things i've ever watched in the anime genre <laughs> grave of the fireflies is going to fuck you up um and if you're not affected by that movie you don't have a heart so like <laughs> um and i mean like you know even watching that with somebody who really like my my wife doesn't watch a lot of anime um but the the animes that she has seen is like all the way through the ghibli canon because i i yeah you know, made her. Um, well, cause it's great. She, it's a, it
1: is high art. I would say.
0: Yeah. And she's just phrase, like, she's, she's just like spirited yeah. away is like where as far to the creepiness factor of, uh, and the creepy, sad factor of Ghibli as I want to go into. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, she enjoyed howls moving castle more than she enjoyed that movie. But it's just like, you know, it's, it's just, you know, to everybody's taste, but be aware I think you should watch all of them, but I'm also somebody who is like, you should watch art for art's sake sometimes. Um, And you should watch theater to be affected. Sometimes there is an entire world of theater as well. That is just like it, it is theater that is just, you were not going to, you're going to leave talking about it. And that was the point. It was not to bring you in to have a great Friday evening.
1: yeah, that's fine. I think it makes me think about my husband who is big into escapism and it's like, I love, you know, I love escapism and I love superheroes and all that stuff, but I also love a movie that just tears at your heartstrings and it makes you, makes you cry or makes you think about like some really deep real world things. I really enjoy that. And some of my favorite movies are, are movies I have watched only a handful of times because they are hard to watch, even though I would consider them my favorites. And for him, his tolerance for that is much, much lower because he wants to escape into the story and not, you know, have the reality of these things sort of thrust upon him. And that, you know, so those differences may be key to your enjoyment of this, but it is a fantastic classic. I would also say... uh, uh, all but the squeamy, squeamiest of you will be able to stomach at least these first three episodes and get a feel of yeah. the vibe and the intensity of the show. And I think they are very good. But, you know, most of you out there should give the show a whirl from start to finish and see how far you get.
0: Yeah. All right. We're going to cover the last two episodes of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Honestly. Yeah. We've gone over what's happened in the show many, many, many times. Uh, if you're going to listen to this episode, just go back to the previous episode. We talked about it all there. Um, you're because, not going to understand a
1: thing if you haven't been following along.
0: Yeah. No matter how real. much we tell um, you. <laughs> <laughs> so Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, we're starting with episode 63 and going to episode 64. Honestly, the names of the episodes don't super matter. We're just going to kind of roll through them. Uh, the first yeah, one is the one other is side of the One the is Finale. The other is Denouement.
1: Oh yeah. You're, no you're more correct than I am, but we're both right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um this starts off with uh if you've been watching this show and been frustrated that you haven't got to see Al um or Ed go completely ham on somebody, uh this is for you because Ed's <laughs> going to beat the cr- complete crap uh out of um Father. It's just a curb stomp that yeah, I, and I don't remember happening in the first show.
1: <laughs> no, the, well, you know, the first show veers pretty drastically way before we get to this point. It's hard mm-hmm. to remember exactly what happens in that. But yeah, the, uh, you know, if, if you'll recall, the thing that happened immediately before this was Alphonse apparently sacrificed himself to, you know the other side or the afterlife or whatever it is a little nebulous uh in order to restore ed's arm so that ed could continue fighting against father and they might have a small chance to not horrifically lose this you know all important battle and ed is pissed because there is nothing more important to these characters than their relationship to one another it has been the major you know motivating factor for them from the very very beginning they are you know very very close to each other they've lived most of their lives needing to rely mostly on one another to get by it's just this is a huge loss but they are in the middle of a huge fight that you can't be distracted from and so ed happens to conveniently have an outlet and it is beating the shit out of father which is really convenient because father is kind of weakened right now uh and so he he's gonna have to sit there and take it for a second before he figures maybe some sort of workaround situation
0: Oh, yeah. So what he's like is, okay, I need some other way to protect myself. So what I'll do is I'm going to steal the Philosopher's Stone back from Greed. And Greed and Ling try to stay together because Ling is just like, I've grown attached to you. I wish I could um, quit you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, greed has a uh, a foil in his back pocket, which I didn't even realize was a thing. But uh, one of the things that greed does is that he can, he hardens his body into basically like a perfect hard carbon armor. But yeah, they each Al each should, of the
1: homunculi can do a special thing, and his is making himself really hard.
0: Yeah, but. One of the things is, and Ed has shown him this before, is that he can use his alchemy in order to change his uh, carbon armor into a different, like a different arrangement of carbon that is, instead of super strong, very, very brittle. And because of this, um, when he tries to harden after finally taking greed in, um, he just becomes completely brittle. And so his body is just going to be continued. Continued pummeling from Ed um, until Ed punches a literal hole in father's chest.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing. If you ever find yourself um, getting a hole punched into your chest, PSA, all of the souls of the people from the country that you uh, tricked into sacrificing themselves in your mystical, devious plot for immortality, they're going to escape right through that hole. And it's a real
2: pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's so going to be of... getting out of there. Um, Hohenheim, uh is is going to. I, I don't know if he's if he's really doing anything inside of this moment. I had this moment. No,
1: when the, I was watching the hole it, punches and it. I was
0: just like, is is he actually like helping the souls go back or anything, or is he just kind of like watching and existing there inside of this moment? It was. It seemed like. A, Everybody was being ambiguous and it was just like, if you, if you pop the balloon, all the air is going to get out.
1: <laughs> yeah, th- that was it for, <laughs> that was it for me. They popped the balloon. The air is blown out all over the place and father is consequently deflating. And I, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really perceive anybody doing anything super important in this moment because uh, the impression that i got from this is that this was the final blow and yeah. the loss of these souls you know negates father's immortality um it also happens to negate his ability to stay alive although maybe not in the way you would have expected well, i would also, have thought
0: <laughs> also he took in the gateway of truth and because yeah he did and that's that- the trick <laughs> He lost all his power to control it, and so it will absorb him, which is what happened, yeah,
1: you would think, as we've seen with uh some of the homunculi that he created, that maybe he would dissolve a Allah Thanos snap, but instead, he uh he gets sucked into himself in a really weird sort of grotesque grotesque, but like one step away from being funny you know, way of sort of like his legs start getting pulled into his chest and stuff. And it's just like, because of the gravity of the moment, it totally works. But if you put this out as a gif, it could probably make me laugh. (laughs) So it was just kind of wild. Uh, But yeah, he's getting sucked into the other side in a really awkward, weird way. And uh, that is because he tried to not just play God, but he tried to usurp God, absorb God, become God, whatever. And so he he gets shlooped over to the other side, and God is like, mm, "That didn't work out very well, did it?" And he he has sort of a he has sort of a character realization moment that is essentially, "I just wanted to be free. Uh, all of this was me." seeking freedom and independence that got out of hand and on the one hand i'm like yeah i get it that makes sense i can trace that logic back to how this all started and see how you got from point a to point z and on the other hand i was like i don't care about you anymore and i don't care to have you humanized or uh, in any way attempting to make me feel sympathetic to you i'm not responsive to that right now Uh, so you, you go away. And so he does.
0: Yeah. And then we have a series of, uh, please take my thing to heal yourself. And, uh, a resounding response from Ed is no, 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 not that way. (laughs) The first is he's like, take this philosopher's stone and bring Al back. And he's like, no, can't do that. I promised him I wouldn't do that. And then, uh, and then, Hohenheim's just like, "Let me give my life to get Al back." And Ed's just like, "No, I can't. That's not the way that I have to do it." Instead, he's going to come up with a really interesting equivalent exchange, which is yeah, that like he is going to offer, as part of his transmutation of himself, his ability to do transmutation. Which, interestingly enough, is, like, an argument of, like, you have all of the power in the world, and you're able to give up all of the power in the world because your brother is that important to you. And that is what he is basically giving, which is, like, his connection to the door of truth, to, like, the abilities inside of the world. And what he does is that, and what he gets back is Al. And Al well, they have is-
1: this, um, they have an interesting moment too, where the, the sort of God figure is like, are you sure you want to do this? Because you have, you know, alchemy has been like your whole deal for this whole time. So if you give it up, like, it's not going to come back. You're not going to be able to relearn it. It's done. There is a connection to this door that you will be severing that is required for this to work. And, uh, Ed is like, yes my ability to do big, you know, big deal alchemy is not as important as my relationship with this person that matters to me. And it's a little cheesy, but I do think it's worth mentioning that the sort of, you know, door of truth, God figure is like, oh, that's the right answer. You got, you got it right. So anyway, we'll finish the deal. So it's like he he doesn't say, like, you get, you did the right answer, so you get to have both. You get to keep your alchemy and get your brother back. That does not happen. Uh, he does lose his ability to alchemize. But uh, but I found it intriguing um, in a way that I felt like this is the author being like, with the stories at the end, we have to sort of wrap up the big themes. And whatever characters are going to say... Something important, they got to say it now because the the page count is running low. And this is this is the last sequence of this, you know, mysterious other side God figure. And pretty much the last thing they say is like, yeah, the right answer is essentially giving up your power in exchange for the people that you care about. Although I, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, Ed really more says that he is stronger for the connections that he has And that he's made of which Ed is a part or of which uh, Al is a part rather than the power, you know, the power isn't important. He's like the, you know, the real power is the friends we made along the way. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Also, uh, in a in a different note that will or will not make you feel almost anything, Hohenheim is going to go home and Die Mm -hmm. at the side of Trisha's grave which was Ed and Al's Mother Um, So that happens at the end Of this episode and then we have Our our, like Unwinding episode Which is everybody gets To like say goodbye and get basically Returned to normal I'm gonna throw it out there that like Ed and Al Are like we can't use a philosopher's stone Because it's full of human souls And everybody else is just like Nah but we need it (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I found that very interesting and yep. a little surprising, but ultimately pretty realistic. Like, yeah, pretty Ed human. and i have sworn, yeah, Ed and i have sworn off this insanely powerful tool because they find it to be immoral to use. And everybody else, I'm assuming, is basically like, well, it's already here, so you know, if we don't yeah. use it, it's a waste.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got a whole, you got to use the whole human after you kill them. Like if you yeah, don't, that's it's right. not going to make people, you know, it, you gotta, you gotta use the whole thing. Otherwise you you
1: can't like, just chuck it in the bin. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Anyways, yeah, this uh, is,
1: this is the episode where they go yell at the ocean, right? Or am I misremembering?
0: No, this episode oh. is, uh, uh, Mustang and, uh, who else? So it's, it's Mustang scar havoc. All of these different people are going to be healed by Marco, who has a philosopher's stone, um, and uh, they kind of go off and do their own things. the The one I paid the most attention to, honestly, um, was that the the Elrics are going to uh, say goodbye to Ling, um, and Ling is going to go back to whatever country that he came from uh, with Xing. Mei, and he's and he's gonna. Oh yeah, Xing. Um, and he's going, to, there's a whole rap about that. I believe. Yeah. Anyways, one of um, our,
1: uh, <laughs> one of our, uh, people in the discord made a rap and then our, you know, incredible sound wizard made it into an actual rap. It was so yeah. cool. Yep.
0: Yeah. Anyways, go back and listen to that. Anyways. Um, so, uh, Ling is going to be like, okay, I'm going to go back to my country. I'm going to be the best emperor ever. And they're like, okay, I hope you well, do I that. Guess. Um, <laughs> don't. Don't murder an entire civilization so you can get unlimited power, please.
1: Yeah, he, he learned that, um, uh, sorry, he, he found the key to immortality, which is the Philosopher's Stone. So he, that was their whole quest. He was, he and May both showed up in this country to find the key to immortality, but they are also from different clans and whichever clan finds it is going to have their person ascend to the new emperor. And theoretically, this would not be super great for the other clans because they are a little bit in competition with each other. But because they have shared these experiences and because they kind of made made it to a successful, happy ending, you know, because both of them were participating, Ling makes a point to say, like, hey, Mei, you know, I'm going to take care of you and your clan once I become the emperor, because even though I, I won the scavenger hunt, you know, I couldn't have done it without you. So I'm going to remember that when I'm in charge. And that's yeah, nice. You just gotta
0: Remember the friends you made along the way. Anyways, um,
1: <laughs> I, I, I hate this.
0: Yep. Uh, uh, also, they're going to pass by a couple of years uh, after the brothers go home, uh, back to resin bowl and Grumman has become the Fuhrer. Uh, your Which I was friends. really
1: surprised by, because Mustang's been—he's been positioning himself this whole series, and he still doesn't yeah. have it.
0: Yeah. Um, Bradley's. This wife is like if Naruto is is like,
1: "I'm going to be the Hokage," and then it turns out to be Shikamaru the, all along, and you're like, "Well, I mean, I, it makes sense," but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Bradley's wife is raising Salim. Uh, I was convinced that Salim didn't actually have a body; he was just a homunculus, but whatever's gonna be whatever i guess
1: yeah well because he turned into like that fetus that was definitely not of a viable size (laughs) the last time we saw him but uh you know i guess he grew out of it which you know is what kids do but if they're too small they don't they don't it doesn't work so somehow that worked probably because he was a homunculus it doesn't seem to be anymore
0: yeah it's unclear
1: but it's it's probably fine
0: (laughs) And then we're going to have uh, a bittersweet ending to the show, which is that uh, Al is going to be going on his own adventure, Ed is going to be going on his own adventure. Um, Al is going to look at Alka history, and um, Ed is—I'm I- not a hundred percent what Ed, sure what Ed is doing, other than just Ed's going coming to, do to America for sure.
1: Huh? Ed is definitely coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> One hundred percent. The like, problem
0: they, is the problem is though that like he loves Winry. Yeah. But he's also just like, I'm too busy right now.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, he's like, I do love you, but I want to do research.
0: Yeah, I got shit to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, just, it's interesting. It kinda I don't know, there's there's a little bit of a like these anime protagonists and their relationships because we did just finish Yu Yu Hakusho last week and it was awfully similar where like he loves, you know, Keiko, but he's too busy doing his own thing to commit to that. And the consequence of him doing his own thing is that he's not committed to it even kind of. (laughs) And then, you know, at the end they reconcile and this is a little bit of the opposite where like ed ed and winry have spent more time during the series together and have spent a little bit more time being straightforward and honest with their feelings even though you know yusuke ultimately was like i'm gonna marry you someday and ed has not gotten to that point until this scene (laughs) but I think it's a little bit more clear that Ed and Winry are circling each other than that Keiko and Yusuke are like a thing beyond them just fucking stating it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then you kind of get the reverse here where it's like Ed has been busy and Winry has been sort of involved in that busyness and that has maintained their relationship. Now Ed is like, I I want to continue our relationship, but I'm going to travel and you're not invited (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) and he's like they basically have this whole thing where like it it, it boils down to an i'll wait for you conversation yeah but it is it's weird right that that he's just gonna leave they also really weird they do a clever thing with this conversation that did not a hundred percent work for me which is they equate their relationship to equivalent exchange However, he's also going to use the metaphor for equivalent exchange in a second. And it worked for me so much. So here, Ed is like a relationship is a give and take. It's just like equivalent exchange. You know, so you 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 meet me halfway and I'm going to go on this trip and then we'll meet each other halfway by me getting to do what I want and then you being here when I get back, (laughs) which is not a particularly good compromise. (laughs) Yeah, but she has this whole line where she's like, "No, take more than half. You know, it's it's not an equivalent exchange. I want you to sort of have all of me. Basically, it's that like I want to give my entire heart to you because I love you that much. And I like that. That's it. That is a, a sentiment that I can resonate with in a scene that I don't a hundred percent resonate with. Um, yeah. But the, the the crucial element of it is that they are both moved by finally fully unambiguously admitting that they care for each other and then ed gets on the train and this worked so well he's just sort of has a little ending narration you see a little bit of everybody that you've you've grown to love it's very similar to the end of you haka show but instead of that not working <laughs> here he makes a final thematic summation that works so well that is basically like this, there was a lot of pain that we went through to get to where we are now, but where we are is a really good place. And it's just like equivalent exchange. You cannot gain anything without giving up something in return. And while that may be true for alchemy, so too is it true for life. Sometimes, sometimes. When you need to get something, you have to give something else up. And that can be painful, but you're going to obtain something of equal or even greater value on the other side. And it's also true that when you're going through hardships in your life, you are going to come out the other side stronger and better off and in a happier place by learning to endure And to overcome the challenges that life throws at you. And this is also equivalent exchange. And I thought this was such an unexpected and, like, deeply moving sentiment. that I just didn't see it coming at all. It was basically, like, the magic of this world is a metaphor for the fact that sometimes life is hard. But that if you can get through it, you're better off. And they even... Use the phrase your heart will become full metal, which basically doesn't mean anything, but they managed to make it mean exactly what they meant, and it works so well and I just loved this.
0: Yeah. And there you have the facts of life. They're all about you. Anyway, it's so uh, good. stick with us after these credits and we'll talk about what's coming up next week.
1: Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network.
0: Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 fireball. Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on
1: Twitter at b and S Get
0: Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped.
1: Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped.
0: We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms.
1: If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New
0: episodes come out every week.
2: Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a geek-centric website that covers all manners of topics from video games and anime to tabletop games, board games, comics, and more. If you're looking for a website to add to your daily rotation for some of the latest news, reviews, and overall takes on where geek culture is headed, make sure to bookmark thegeeklygrind.com and pay us a visit. I also wanted to thank you uh, for being a faithful listener to this podcast. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is a vital member of our podcast family which also includes Knights of the World Table, which is a DD and d audio drama podcast, The Ink and Paint Club, an animation podcast, Comic Book Keepers, which is a comic book podcast, and Geek Exploration Podcast, which is on general geek culture. We also have the Geekly Grind podcast, which provides audio renditions of our published articles, special guests, and more. Make sure to seek those out and listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again.
1: Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Mob Psycho 100, Part 3, Episodes 3 and 4.
0: Vote. Vote. <laughs> Are you voting yet? Vote. <laughs> <laughs>